Ozone. Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, presented by ViStar Credit Union, with Jaguar's senior writer, John Osher. Hi, welcome to this post-combine Ozone Podcast, and uh, we're joined by everybody who follows the NFL knows him, uh, Peter King of NBC Sports. Um, fantastic, and I appreciate you joining us, and this is a busy week for you. Uh, first of all, how are you doing, and how is your writing world going right now it's changed so much over the years since we've known each other yeah john it's it's a weird world there just aren't many um people who do primarily or almost exclusively writing anymore you've got to do all other things now i have a podcast and uh i do some television but not a lot of it mostly it's this column i write on monday football morning in america but I still really love doing what I'm doing, and uh, so I I always feel like um, it's still I'm still really really fortunate to be mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing. So life is good, and I'm happy. And I would think that again, the fortunate part is you know you've built up a readership for so long, and I love the way you approach Mondays, and I know that's been something that has evolved over the years. I'm sure, you know, back in the day, Sports Illustrated, you're writing one story late at night. Now you're doing the entire league, and it, it's yeoman's effort. Um, do you still feel, and I'm just curious about this, you were way ahead of a lot of us on Twitter. You were having Twitter meetups. You realize the yeah. importance of that. It seems like you enjoy the connection, and, and you enjoy that, and you enjoy being out there. Um, do you still feel that? In 2009, people at Sports Illustrated said to me, we'd like you to go on Twitter. I had, I did not know what it was. Right, it so was what fairly is that? new. Right. So they told me, and uh, I said, hey, if you think it's important, I'll do it. So they asked me three or four times a week, would you go on and, and answer questions from people? Um, and you'll find that you'll gain some following because of it. And I thought it was a bunch of happy horse crap, really. I didn't <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. But at the time, Twitter was really starting to grow. And I remember early on, maybe three, four months into it, Twitter had uh had a um had a uh had what they called suggested followers, uh or suggested follows. And there were two in sports, me and Bill Simmons. Yeah. And so I just remember thinking I opened up my laptop one day and I had 40,000 more followers than than I had the day before. And I said, wow, there's something going on here. Never too old to learn. Yeah. So so anyway, I mean, I always just felt like, um, you know, why not? It's something that obviously people are interested in, people are following now. You know, in the last probably three years, I've mostly gone away from it, not that I don't do it at all anymore. Sometimes I will answer questions from people. But the bottom line in it that I have seen is that um, for every one person you have a a good exchange with, you have five people telling me you're a no good POS. Right. And so, I don't know. After a while, you just say, yeah, (laughs) 10 of those. After a while, I've just said, essentially, you know, sure. it's been nice, and I'll do it sometimes, but I, I don't do it as much as I used to, and I, I still put my stuff out there, uh, and 
uh, people still link from it to my columns. So it's valuable, but I probably am not addicted to it. I know I'm not addicted to it the way I used to be. Well, without being too much of a, uh, you know, and I think people uh, who read, and I think there's still a lot of people who read left, um, your Mondays are the closest thing you have to inside the NFL on a Monday quick turnaround i know how hard it is and i really respect what you do so um tell me about the jaguars this year and i know you were able to get in touch with doug peterson multiple times after games uh so you got a little bit of a sense of him in real time i know you've known doug for a long time yeah um you know i guess first question would be uh how if not surprised but what did you learn about this team from your conversations with doug and any huge takeaway you have after Really an incredible run. I think I would say there are three things that, first of all, that I observed and then I learned from my conversations this year. Number one, um, I think that Trent Balky, who uh, I, I don't want to say I disparaged him, but I wasn't necessarily all in on sure. the fact that Trent Balky was going to build a Super Bowl champion. He has had... Some really, really good signings. He's had some really good draft choices. Um, I thought, you know, and this is just totally an aside, but, I mean, this game is about people like Roy Robertson Harris. Mm -hmm. And when I say this game is about people like that, what I mean is... If you don't hit on five or six or eight or ten guys of that caliber, right. you're not going to win. You know, because if you have a quarterback and you have nothing else, you're not winning. Right. And I think one of the things that Trent Baalke has done is he's really boosted the overall talent level of this team. Okay, that's number one. Number two, I think one of the things that Doug Peterson reestablished in this team is that look we're not here to recreate football in any way <laughs> and and look uh you know obviously urban meyer was a different guy and a different kind of coach and doug peterson basically was going to be and has been a football coach mm -hmm. and that's all he is he's not looking for you know, uh, endorsements or TV jobs or anything like that. He's not looking to be an oracle. Right. Because he's not an oracle. He is a football coach who gets his team to believe in him. And that's what I noticed. And I think number three is, and this goes back to week 17 of 2021, the quarterback in this franchise has taken – um, I think a bigger leadership role, which comes with a longer period of time mm -hmm. in the game. And so to me, I think I really appreciate um, all three of those things because, look, if you don't have good personnel acquisition, you don't have a good coach, and you don't have a good quarterback, and the quarterback with the kind of... Um, it's the best word to say. The quarterback with sort of the kind of uh, uh, leadership tendencies and also 
um, never say die tendencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are those are three elements of a championship team, and I think this year uh, Jacksonville proved that they have three burgeoning elements of a championship team. You said something very interesting about coaching. You mentioned Doug Peterson, and, and you never even mentioned uh, play calling. Well, it, I agree with you. I think what you talked about, the leadership, the vision, is infinitely more important than the play calling. Uh, and that's really what he is as much as anything. I mean, he can call plays, but the ability to lead and the ability, what you said, make people believe in him, uh, that's everything for head coach, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And plus, the the players have to believe in the coach they just do and you know i think you know two three months into the urban meyer experiment maybe six or seven months i think you found two or three that there are players that really started to question urban meyer some of them quietly some of them not so quietly so i think doug peterson you know look it's a weird, it's a cliche to say that he just steadied the ship. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need to do. You need to you need to have a steadiness to what a coach does. And I don't know, I, I really feel, I feel strongly about this, that there are some elements that, you know, a championship team needs. And I think these are the elements that... Uh, Doug Peterson really is established inside this team right now. And and again, I think Doug is a fairly simple guy. Mm-hmm. He wants to come to work. He wants to coach his team. He's, I mean, he was like this in Philadelphia, too. It's just that things went off the rail, especially with the quarterback. But, you know, what he is, is he is a guy who doesn't need a lot of care and feeding and a lot of maintenance just give me my office give me my players give me my team and i'll coach them and as long as we got a good quarterback we're gonna have a good chance to win every week it's an impossible question to answer but you've seen enough teams over the years where i think your opinion has merit um is this a sustainable thing the jags have going in 17 they got there every fan who asks me always wants to know how is this going to be different The obvious answer is head coach and quarterback. Is it that simple? Is this sustainable? Well, look, even though Blake Bortles got this franchise to an AFC championship game, I don't think that there are a lot of people who felt like, I'll tell you what, we're going to win multiple Super Bowls with Blake Bortles. It's nothing personal against Blake Bortles, but, I mean, I just think people thought that he definitely had a ceiling. Mm. And um, they were near that ceiling. And when they didn't get the job done in Foxborough, uh, I think that everybody sort of saw that this was this franchise at the time had limits. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think anybody would say, look, I'm not saying that uh, Trevor Lawrence is going to be an all-time quarterback. That remains to be seen. But he shows the ability... You know, when you're down 900 to nothing in a playoff game to the Chargers <laughs> right. at halftime, and he basically has a bunch of never-say-die moments in the second half, mm-hmm. you have to just respect that, and you have to understand that essentially 
you know, now we know that we're not out of any game. Right, which resonates to every player on the team. I think so. I definitely think so. And so, I don't know. I I think this team has elements that a championship team needs, and now it's all about building around those elements um, with other position groups while understanding that no team wins in a vacuum. I mean, hey, the Miami Dolphins are a good team, Mm -hmm. but the Buffalo Bills are a really good team. Hey, the Chargers are a good team. Kansas City is a really good team. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you need help along the way and all that stuff, but I think definitely this team um, has got a pretty good blueprint going forward. One final question I'll just throw this out to you. I love talking league issues with you. We can't talk about them all. But you're probably the dean of the people who cover this league. Um, What issue do you look at now that's the most pressing? I'm sure you think about things in the offseason that you're going to follow, curious about. Is there anything overall uh, uh, concerning, interesting, uh, that you're going to be intrigued with this offseason? I think the biggest responsibility the NFL has this offseason, it's not officiating, it's not a rule, uh, it, it isn't that. It is uh, getting the Washington franchise in shape and in better shape than it has been in this century. Okay. Uh, because I think, um, you know, it's very clear that, you know, the league wants to move on from Daniel Snyder, that uh, the fan base certainly has wanted to move on for da- from Daniel Snyder for years. And he's become much too much of a distraction um, to keep him around. So my feeling is that is the number one uh, news story in the NFL news cycle this offseason. I think secondarily, I'm just totally fascinated by what's going to happen to Lamar Jackson. I think it's so interesting. And... and, uh, you know, I think people try to oversimplify it a little bit by saying, oh, the Ravens just don't want to pay him a guaranteed contract. I mean, it's so much more than that. I mean, Lamar Jackson in the last two years, in the month of De- months of December and January, has started and finished one game. Right. And he's missed 34% of the snaps over the last two years. You've got to take that into account mm-hmm. when you're going to sign him. So... You know, I've got a pretty strong opinion about how it should be handled. In my opinion, I think Baltimore should uh, try to re-sign him, even if it's to a fully guaranteed contract for a short term, two years, maybe three years, most, because it's clear that they're not going to make a long-term deal. So why don't you aim for something else? The Ravens know right now that they have a team that is ready to win. And in my opinion... It won't be ready to win if they draft a quarterback right. in the first round and then have to train that guy and blah, blah, blah. So, I don't know. Those are probably the two things that I think of. What's going to happen to Lamar Jackson what's going to happen to the Washington franchise? Give me your best how the combine has changed story since you started covering and then we'll be done. In 2000, <laughs> I came to the combine, and there were about, I'd say between 15 and 20 or 23 reporters at the Combine. This year, there are more than 1,200 media credentialed to the Combine. 
And um, in 2000, we as a media group, uh, John Clayton, me, Rick Goslin, uh, John Zarneski, just Don Pearson from Chicago. I mean, just a bunch of now people, many of those people are retired uh, or not writing anymore. Um, I'll never forget, I was in the, the one of the hotels here where all the players stayed in the Holiday Inn Crown Center, mm-hmm. and uh, the NFL did not allow us to go anywhere. So we were staking out it, the lobby, and no one was helping us. Nothing was organized. So you basically had to do everything yourself, not to mention the fact, John, I don't know about you, but the vast majority of college football players i don't know who they are right if i walk by there were no hallway, podiums no yeah, podiums no right. po- nothing if i walk by him i don't know who it is uh and so one day this really tall guy is walking through the lobby and i introduce myself and it, and i thought that it might be plexico burris and i said hey i'm peter king with sports illustrated he goes oh yeah i'm plexico burris michigan okay. state wide receiver and I said, hey, uh, I'd love to write about you. I didn't really know if I was going to write about him. But we sat down in a little restaurant in the Holiday Inn Crown Plaza for an hour and a half. He kind of told me his life story. And that became my story out of the combine That's that fantastic. year. But, uh, you know, the thought of spending an hour and a half right. with anybody <laughs> here at the combine, you're lucky to get yeah. <clears throat> one question. But that's just the way it's yeah. it's. That's just the way it's happened. I've never been one of those people who just, you know, pines for yesterday. Sure. It's just, that's just the way it is, so you deal with it. Yeah, my first one was the next year. I was covering the Jags for the TU. I was, uh, first one was 01. Yeah. My only interview with Tom Coughlin, who was the head coach that year, was as he was walking into the Catholic Church across the street. Wow. I caught him for Saturday Mass. I didn't get him till Saturday. I looked for him all week. So that's how it's changed. Now you would get him on a podium for 15 minutes, and then he would do the rounds. He'd do the car wash. Yeah. But you tell people who cover it now, the whole podium thing dramatically changed it, some for the better, some for, you know, as we say, it's different. There's not the personal stuff, but that's the nature of the last 20 years. So. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the way I look at the combine is I think more than anything now, you know, I met with Mike McDaniel, the uh, Miami coach, while I was here. And Mike, I met him up in his room in his hotel. And that is not common, going up into a coach's room and talking to him there. But as he told me, one of the reasons he does that when he wants to talk to somebody, he asked them to come up to his room because he just can't be in the lobby of the hotel. There are 300 people there, and he'll be swarmed. And so <clears throat> if he really wants to, like, get things done, think, right. he's got to be up in his room. So I understand that. It's just the whole thing is a different world. But everything about football right now, John, as you know, is a different world from what it was two decades ago. It's a world you helped create, popularize, and inform. Uh, Peter King, I appreciate it very much. Okay.